0: these different gods there's different gods that that were in the old testament of eight or from what i've looked at eight major gods or eight prominent ones that are are mentioned throughout the old testament well there was characteristics that characterized each one of these gods different different characteristics that seemed to certain aspects of that particular God. Tried to mimic the one true Jehovah God. They tried to emulate. Tried to do something. They, they had one little piece. Of who God is. Who Jehovah what, or is. Something else that stood out to me. Was out of these gods. For instance Balaam or Baal. One of the things about him. And most of these gods. Is they required human sacrifice they required the killing of a human to please them but if I could take a minute to compare and contrast with with those gods and the the God of Israel was that Jehovah God Jesus Christ was willing to robe himself in flesh and give himself as a sacrifice for our sins When we're facing things in our life. When we're we're facing situations in our life. The gods of this world are going to require things of us. They'll try to emulate. They'll try to take the place. Of the one true God. But they can never replace him. They can never come to that place where they can replace him. Israel would backslide, and they would turn their back on God, and they would, in several instances, they would turn to Baal, a God that that, from the the most recent accounts, was still worshipped in what was known as Brittany before it was became England, a God that that seemed to keep coming back and back throughout history. Various peoples worshiping him. But when you compare him to the almighty God. When you compare him to the God that Israel would backslide from. That would turn their backs on and go to. There's no comparison. A God that required human sacrifice. A God that would require them to bring someone and lay them in his feet and burn them to death. But we serve the God that came down and died for our sins. We serve the God that was willing to take on the form of flesh, that was willing to lower himself, willing to come down from glory, that we could be saved. We serve that God tonight. I have a lengthy section of scripture here to read, but in First Kings 18:13. I mean 23. Let them therefore we read of this is the this is Elijah on Mount Carmel. If I could put it this way, it's a face-off between God, Jehovah, and Baal. It's a face-off against power, against God's creation, and against the God that created it all. We read of, of how they how. Elijah told them, bring all the prophets, gather the people. Today we will find out who is God. Bring a bullock. build an altar. Put wood on the altar, but don't let the fire come. Or don't light it. Whichever God answers with fire, let him be God. Let him be the one that you serve. Elijah 18 and 27, and it came to pass, I'm sorry, at 26, and they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal, from morning or even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made, And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or pre-adventure, he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with their knives and their lashes till the blood gushed out from them and it was and it came to pass when a midday was past they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any to regard and elijah said unto the people come near unto me and all the people came near unto him And he replied, or repaired, the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel Israel shall, shall be thy name. And with the stones built an altar in the time of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him upon the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am. Am thy servant, and that I have done all things according to at thy word. Hear me, oh Lord, hear me that this these people may know that thou art the Lord, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Then the fire. What was that proof? It was the proof of who is God. Whether the one that answers with fire, let him be God. Let it be known to these people that thou art Lord and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and stone and dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. On Mount Carmel that day, God showed Israel that He was God. Above all, you've been a worshipping bell. You've been giving everything that you've got to this God that you created with your own hand. But I spoke a prayer that was 63 words long. Believe it, 63 words. That was a prayer that was a short prayer. And the fire fell from heaven. There was 450 prophets of Baal that was doing everything they could do to get a hold of a God that did not exist. That only existed in their mind. But I'm here to tell you today that our God that is great and mighty and greatly to praised, He was the one that answered with fire that consumed the sacrifice. It was a man. It was a man of God. It was a prophet. A man that didn't have the Holy Ghost in him. That prayed a short prayer. And when he prayed. Is when the fire fell from heaven. One more. As you the saint of God. That is filled with the Holy Ghost. That has the power of God in your life. Can do. examples that can be taken. From this scripture. We see the evidence of death. Burial and resurrection right here. The water that they poured on it. The sacrifice that, that, that was on the altar. Then the fire that fell. We've got that same power here tonight church. But there's one thing that we've got to make up in our mind. Let's just have church. There's two things. Let's have church on this hand. But here on the other hand. It's death, burial and resurrection. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. A man of God that realized that... Hey, I've got an ear with God. I've got a place where I can go and I can pray to the God that is a real God, a God that is not fake, that is not man made. And He'll send the fire, He will show us who He is. There was the sound of all these people that were crying. So loudly screaming, cutting themselves. And there was that sound over here. That was a great uproar. A great sound. Had absolutely no meaning behind it. But then Elijah got up and prayed. A simple prayer. Acts 2 and verse 1, what I previously read. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord and one place. And suddenly a sound from heaven as of the rushing mighty wind fell and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothed in tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men. Out of every nation under heaven. Now when these were noised abroad. The multitude came together. And were confounded. Because every man heard them speak in his own language. What brought that multitude? What brought those people? Uh, You can translate that. They heard the noise. They heard the sound. That was going forth as the Spirit of God was poured out upon human flesh. For the very first time we read in Acts 2 of how God poured out His Spirit upon flesh. They weren't doing anything but have an apostolic church from then on. They weren't doing anything that was out of the ordinary when the Holy Ghost starts to move yes it was the first time yes but if God can move that way once that it was noised abroad he can do it again why because he never changes. but it's that sound of praise and worship and people doing what God called them to do is what is going to get the attention of everybody that's around us and when they hear that sound and they start to say, hey, where's it coming from? I want to go to that destination. I want to go to that place. I want to find out why they're making that sound. Some was in wonderment and some mocked. They asked, why are these drunk as you suppose? But then what did Peter do? He got up and he preached. But it took something first from those, that 120 that was there. The prophets of Baal were killed after, after Mount Carmel. After one man did that. Acts 2, 120 were in the upper room and 3,000 were saved. Because someone started to hear the sound. The sound of a church that knew how to get a hold of God. The sound of somebody that got a revelation of what it means to come into the house of God. And get a hold of heaven and begin to worship him for everything they've got. But it was a combination of two things. It was a combination of three things. It was a combination of the falling of the Holy Ghost. It was a combination of the response after the Holy Ghost fell. Then the last thing that happened that day. That got everybody's attention. That saved souls. When Peter got up and preached. Death, burial, and resurrection. But how much more as we, as a day approach, how much more church should we have? How much more should we dedicate our lives? How much more should we do these things so that that noise that's coming down from a, a deep within us, when the Holy Ghost starts to get a hold of us, so that it can be noised abroad. But on Mount Carmel, when the fire came, when the Holy Ghost came down, that is when everything that was sitting on that altar, the sacrifice, the water, the stones, the wood was consumed completely and totally by the power. That's the same thing that happened or can happen if you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight that every single bit... Of your sin, those things that are behind you can be consumed by that all consuming fire. But it's not just for the sinner to rethink and to want that that all consuming fire in their hearts. It's when the church, the saint of God, gets that all-consuming fire that's been kindled inside of them. That keeps on burning inside of them. Every time they get down, and pray. Every time they get down, and renew their consecration to God. He said, the prophet said, it's like a fire. Shut up in my bones. And when it gets a hold of you, how can you keep your mouth shut? How can you keep from lifting your hands in praise and worship to that God that when they said, let the God, that is a real God, let the God that we are to worship answer with fire. The God that that all-consuming fire came down and it consumed every sin in your life. How can I stand there and keep from lifting my hands and worship and pray to the Almighty God? On the day of Pentecost, when that noise was abroad, when it was noised abroad, they were just having an apostolic church. They were just failing after the Spirit. They were just letting God. Take control of what their actions did. What was happening inside of them. The 3,000 souls were saved. Acts 3 and 8 and 10 through 10. Heard it this morning. And he leaping up stood and walked. And entered with them into the temple. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with the wonder and amazement at which had happened unto him. But he went leaping and praising God into the temple. After he received his deliverance. After He's received what God did. It was that noise. That noise that was noised abroad. And people came running into the gate or into the, the porch. It's called Solomon. They came running in and asking what has happened. What is happening here? Because someone was willing to leap and praise God into the temple. Someone that had been asking for arms just a few minutes before that. Someone that had no hope. Someone that was lost and without God. That received the deliverance. Received the power of God. And they were just, he was just willing to go leaping and praising God into the temple. Verse 19 of that. What did he preach? He preached death, burial, and resurrection. He preached deliverance. He preached about that all-consuming fire that fell from heaven. It consumed the sacrifice that day on Mount Carmel. Preached about the fire that appeared as clothed in dirt set upon each of them like as a fire. That's all he preached, folks. He was preaching This message of hope that we have for the world. There's a world out there that is lost and dying. But we've got to have a willingness to say, when I come into the house of God, let's just have church. Because what were they doing when 3,000 souls were saved? What were they doing when Peter and John met the man going to the temple? They were going to pray. They were doing. They were praying. They were seeking the face of God. He said, go tarry and wait for the comforter. That is to come. Kind of Sounds like something we do around here. We come into the house of God. We pray. We sing. We hear the preaching of the word of God. We're just having church. But well, we can't forget, we can't forget that it's when we have church that that noise is noised abroad to everybody that's around us. A hundred and thirty-six thousand people in Olathe, if every single one of us can get a willingness and a hunger in our hearts just to come into the house of God and just have a little better church, just try, just to reach a little harder. every single one of them can hear what's going on in this place. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put a thousand or ten thousand to flight. But what about when one starts to pray? How many does that reach? When two starts to pray together, what about three or four? or The entire church gets bound together and that noise starts to go up. And it's noise abroad. Throughout the whole entire city. There's someone that's speaking in my own language. There's someone that is from Galilee. That is talking about the goodness of God. That is talking about the glory of God. For I determined not to know Anything among you save Jesus Christ. And Him crucified. Acts 19 and 32 through 34. Some therefore cried one thing. And some another. For the assembly was. Confused. And the more part knew. Not whether or wherefore. They were come together. And they drew Alexandra. Out of the multitude, the Jews putting him forward. And Alexander beckoned with the hand. And would have made his defense unto the people. But when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice, about the space of two hours, cried out, Great is Diana of Ephesians. 2,000 people that were confused. Did not know what was going on. Screamed for two hours. Great is a God that we made. Great is this God that we created. How much more can we do as the church? How much more can we do when we're worshiping the God that created everything? Not the God that we created. How much more can we do? But you want to know something. What caused the uproar? There was revival in Ephesus. There was revival. The very man that pinned the words that I know nothing. When I'm with you, I know nothing but Jesus Christ. And Him crucified. The one that gave the very definition of what the gospel is was preaching. Was there for two years. What was he preaching? He was preaching death, burial, resurrection. He was preaching that same message that went forth on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins. And let that power of God. Once you get enough desire. Let the power of God come down and consume all the sin that's in your life. Craftsmen incited them to do that for two hours. Craftsmen that were worried about losing the revenue from making their own God. I'm not interested in making my own God. I'm not interested in creating something to worship. Because I already have the God that created everything. That created the very wood or the gold or whatever I could use to create a God. The comparison and contrast there's no comparison with my God because he's all powerful he can save he's he's greater than anything there is, anything that there was, anything that could possibly be but he's just looking for somebody that's just willing to have church. Someone that is just willing to lift their voice in worship to God. Someone that's willing to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Someone that when a song is sung that talks about how glorious and how great God is. Or a song that talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Or when there's a song that reminds you to think back of where God brought you from. It can begin to make that noise. That is noised abroad. That noise that everybody's going to hear. The sound of a church that just gets a hold of what it takes to just have church. God's not ask, asking us to do some supernatural, great thing. He just wants one thing out of us. And, and that's just to have church. Just to live for Him. Just to dedicate a life completely and totally to Him And he can help you do the rest. He can help you through the hard times. He can help you through the struggles and the times. But when you come into the house of God, when he's there and he's willing to help you. All he's looking for you to do before he helps you is just have church. Just lift your hands and worship to God and praise him. Paul and Silas in the Roman jail. They were going to pray. When the lady came and was crying behind them. And, and Paul turned around and cast the spirit out of her. They got thrown in prison. They got thrown in jail for doing what God told them to do. They were going to pray. But Paul and Silas in that Roman prison. Acts... 16 and 25 through 26 is where we read the story. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They prayed, they sang praises unto God. The prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. Their prayers, their praise. I don't believe it just, I could be wrong, Pastor, but I don't believe it was just an earthquake at that prison. Said it caused a great earthquake. That everybody that was in that surrounding area felt something was going on. Something that shook the bonds off their hands. It shook everything off. The doors swung open. But what were they doing? They were just having church. The Bible says that the prisoners that were there heard them spring and singing. That earthquake shook the foundation. Shook the chains off them. That same power of God that shook those chains that were binding them. Those bars that were holding them in that prison. That same power. It's the same power that Peter preached about. That when you repent. You're baptized. You receive the hope. It was that same power that shook those bonds of those preachers and opened the doors to that prison. It's those same bonds that hold. It's the same thing. That same power can come down and shake the bonds of sin off your life. But Stan, I'm closing. They were just willing to have church. If they weren't willing to just have church. When they were in the worst seeming situation. That you could possibly imagine. Being thrown in jail. There would have never been revival. At that jailer's house. Acts 14.8-10. through 10. And there said a certain man. Elystra. Impudent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked, but Peter—I mean Paul—saw the faith in that man. Perceived that that man had faith. Is there somebody here tonight? You feel a little faith stirring inside. You, you feel a little faith. That God, here I am, God. I hear what he's preaching. I hear what he's saying. I hear that he's talking about the power of God. The Holy Ghost. That can consume everything. Every bad thing in my life. That can create in me a new person. I hear him talking about that. (laughs) And I'm starting to feel a little faith welling up inside. That I believe what he's saying. That hey, when he said, when, the, when Paul said, get up and walk. He stood up leaping. He didn't just stand up and walk around. But he leaped to his feet. But is there somebody here tonight? Is there somebody in this place tonight? That's got a little faith stirring inside of them. That says if I just get a hold of a little faith. If I just get a hold of a little faith. That I can take a step out from my pew. I can become, start to make my way to the front. And what can I start to do? You can do the same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. You can just start to have a little apostolic, Holy ghost field church. You can start to lift your hands in praise and worship to God. Just have a little church. But it takes your faith that I'm saying that we can have some church here tonight. That we can have better church tonight than we've had in the past 48 days of 2018. And the 365 days before that in 2017. But it's going to take your little faith that's welling up inside of you. That says, I'm just going to have some church. But what did he do? He went leaping. He went praising God into the temple. He wasn't sitting there and said, oh, I've got a little faith. I'm just going to stand up. But he was sitting there. He went, whoa. I'm leaping and I'm praising my God because the man of God saw a little faith that was welling up inside of him. And he said, I'm going to take a little step out in faith. Is there somebody here tonight that says, I've got a little faith welling up inside. I'm going to take a step out of my pew and I'm going to make my way to the front. And no matter what Sister Becca plays. No matter what we see. I'm going to think back. On where God brought me from. I was serving the gods of the world. Then that fire fell from heaven. And consumed every sin that was in my life. Consumed that sacrifice. I'm going to think back. On where God brought me from. If you're losing motivation on how to praise and how to worship God, think back. Why do you think we sing songs about where God brought us from? Because God brought us out of a miry clay. God set our feet on that rock to say, Is there somebody that's willing to step out of your pew right now? There's somebody other than the the few that's up here in the front right now that says I want to see revival. I have a little faith welling up inside that says it's time to just have church.